Engaging presentations on the most urgent problem of our day and what you can do about it. Now, the End Abortion Podcast by Priests for Life. Well, hello, friends. Pro-Life Leader Frank Pavone here, National Director of Priests for Life. Welcome to our time of prayer together and delving into the Word of God. It's great to have you with us. Feel free to leave your prayer intentions in the comments. Let's all pray for one another as we worship together. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Father, we come to you with joy today. You are the source of our life. In you we live and move and have our being. You are the source of our friends and family, our relationships, co-workers, and the great task of witnessing to and advancing your kingdom and building the culture of life. We pray for one another today. We start by repenting of our sins. Forgive us for having offended you by anything we have done or failed to do. Enable us to live your commands today and to teach others to do so with appropriate fraternal correction where needed. Bless us, Lord, as we defend the most defenseless, for this is the core and the root of any other kind of act of justice, service, or charity. It is the root of peace in the world that we can truly welcome every human person, despite any distinctions and characteristics, without any prejudice or discrimination or oppression, like we see against the unborn in the violence of abortion, the Holocaust that has been unleashed upon this world. As we worship you and as we hear your word, envelop us in life and in the defense of life. For Christ Jesus, in whose name we pray, is the life. He is the word of life. He is the resurrection and the life, the bread of life, the way, the truth, and the life. And he came that we might have life and have it to the full. We embrace it to the full. We spread and defend it to the full. May we enjoy it forever. In the same Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Well, that Jesus Christ, my friends, is God. Not just a religious leader. He's God. And this is what, in dramatic, clear terms, this reading that we're going to read from the letter of Paul to the Colossians states for us today. Let's go into the reading, a reading from the letter of St. Paul to the Colossians. Brothers and sisters, as you received Christ Jesus the Lord, walk in Him, rooted in Him, and built upon Him, and established in the faith as you were taught, abounding in thanksgiving. See to it that no one captivate you with an empty, seductive philosophy, according to the tradition of men, according to the elemental powers of the world, and not according to Christ. For in Him dwells the whole fullness of the deity bodily. And you share in this fullness in Him, who is the head of every principality and power, in Him you were also circumcised with a circumcision not administered by hand, by stripping off the carnal body with the circumcision of Christ. You were buried with Him in baptism, in which you were also raised with Him through faith in the power of God who raised Him from the dead. 
And even when you were dead in transgressions and the uncircumcision of your flesh, He brought you to life along with Him, having forgiven us all our transgressions, obliterating the bond against us with its legal claims, which was opposed to us. He also removed it from our midst, nailing it to the cross, despoiling the principalities and the powers. He made a public spectacle of them, leading them away in triumph by it. The Word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. I don't know how much you have followed transhumanism, this movement that tries to improve on our species. Let's go beyond who we are now, what we recognize as human. And scientists are doing this by combining human genetic material with that of of animals or or trying to combine uh, human genetic material with computers. Obviously, the development of artificial intelligence has taken on a lot of attention. Uh, And then we see more crude ways of trying to get beyond our humanity, like the mutilation of children who think that they are a a man trapped in a woman's body or vice versa. Uh, This idea that we can think our way into a different identity. And, um, oh, how else does it manifest itself? We we try to redefine and recreate reality. And the seeking of some kind of transhuman identity also involves, obviously, a jettisoning of what we consider to be old, outdated, old-fashioned, or just something that we don't want to be part of anymore. Now, there's a lot of evil involved in the things that I just mentioned, uh, not the least of which is this idea. It's the original sin. I can be independent of God. I can be God. Not to mention, of course, the, uh, the attack on God's truth. The idea that a man is not a man or a woman is not a woman, it's simply a manifestation of the same lie behind abortion that says a baby's not a baby. Lots of evil involved here, especially with forcing this stuff on our children, mutilation of our children, etc. But does the, uh, does the desire to be more necessarily involve evil? No, of course not. The desire to seek more than what we are is in itself something good. As long as we're not rejecting the identity God gave us, we always want to become better. We always want to reach beyond where we've gotten today. I remember a poster I saw Oh, I guess I was a a teenager, and it always stuck in my mind. And it had a hand reaching out with strength, saying, A man's reach should always um, exceed his grasp. In other words, always be reaching for more, reaching for more. And um, this is something that... it, it, it's built into our human nature in a sense that we always we have this drive in us uh, to be more and to love more and to gain more knowledge and to gain more happiness, gain more fulfillment. 
So that should be nurtured. The question then is simply, where do we find that fulfillment? Where do we find that completion? We know we're lacking in so many ways. We know we're limited in so many ways. Where do we find the fullness of what we should be? And the fundamental question, uh, of course, that everybody has to answer is, first of all, the question of God. Am I going to find my fulfillment in God or without God? That really is the fundamental question. Do we find it in God or is God one of those things that we have to jettison as we become this new creature that we want to be? Of course, much of the the transhumanism and the crazy things some people do uh, in order to achieve it is precisely because they've never discovered God in the first place. Or they reject Him, they don't have faith. And if we don't have faith, we're going to search around frantically uh, using the, the, the limited human tools that we do have to try to gain that superhuman strength, intelligence, or greatness. And that, of course, is like the Tower of Babel in the, in the book of Genesis. We're going to be building, uh, trying to build this tower up into the sky. And God is going to look at us and He's going to say, How foolish you are. You can't lift yourself up by your own power. You have certain gifts that I've given you, and God does, does want us to exercise dominion over creation, the very tools that we're using now to communicate with each other are an example of that. God wants us to use the skills, the intelligence that He's given us to create uh, things. But the difference is the pride, the arrogance, the idea that, that our ultimate fulfillment is exalting ourselves rather than serving others and serving the God who made us all. That again is the dividing line. When we do acknowledge God, two things happen. Number one, we, have to, we realize that we have to grow in such a way that is obedient to His law and to the parameters that He's already put in place. In other words, that we accept who He has made us to be. But that secondly, now we do have superhuman power right away. See, when you talk about transhumanism, when we talk about going beyond what we are now, what better way to do that than to be united with God who is infinitely beyond any creature? I mean, this is a fundamental insight. Pope John Paul II always said, be not afraid. Don't think that by welcoming Christ, he's going to limit you or deprive you of your happiness, or crush you in some way. No, He's going to bring you well beyond in love and in happiness and in hope and in fulfillment anything you can dare ask or imagine, as Paul tells us. In Christ we can, we can do all things, and He can accomplish in us anything beyond what we ask or imagine. That's a powerful verse of, of St. Paul. And we have in Jesus Christ. We have many scriptures, I want to look at a few of them, that talk precisely about the kind of transformation He wants to make in us. Before we go to Paul, Peter says, we have become partakers of the divine nature. This is what we always talk about at Christmas as we explain what are we celebrating when we, when we celebrate the Incarnation. The fact that God took on Himself, our humanity, so that He could bestow on us his divinity. 
doesn't get any more transhuman than that. And yet we retain our humanity and we respect the boundaries that God has put in place. And we don't claim to to preempt his role in deciding who we are. And yet we get a fulfillment far beyond our human powers or capacities. Look at uh, even the reading that we just said. Okay, so the fullness of deity dwells bodily in Christ. A human being is God. In Christ Jesus, an unborn child is God when Jesus was in the womb of Mary. Human beings can, in fact, be united with God. And in one unique case, a human being was God. The fullness of the deity bodily dwells in him. And therefore... And this is not just something we look at from the outside and marvel at. Paul immediately goes into the fact that Jesus becoming human, and therefore a human being being fully God, transforms all the rest of us who share that same humanity. He said, you were buried with him. He said, you were raised with him. He said... You were dead in transgressions, but he brought you to life. Divine life. That's the real, appropriate, proper, holy, transhumanism. Let's look at a couple of other passages that say exactly the same thing. In the the letter to the Colossians, chapter 3, starting with verse 9, Do not lie to one another, seeing that you have put off the old self, Okay, you're tired of your limitations? Put off the old self, but do it in Christ. Put off the old self with its practices, and you have put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge after the image of its creator. We don't have to invent what the next step is for humanity. Christ has already brought us there. The new self, renewed in knowledge after the image of its creator. Here there is not Greek, <coughs> excuse me, Greek and Jew, circumcised and uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave, free, but Christ is all and in all. Therefore put on as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved. And then he starts talking about the virtues that characterize our new life in Christ. Compassion, kindness, humility, meekness, patience, bear with one another, forgive, etc. Above all these, put on, again, we're putting on a new identity, put on love, which binds the rest together, makes them perfect, and let the Christ, let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. That sounds like a good new person to me. Romans, familiar passage in chapter 6, starting with verse 6, verse 5. Well, no, let's go back. Verse 3, do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were buried, therefore, with him by baptism into death, in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. You want newness of life? You don't have to be mutilated. You don't have to say, change your pronouns. We have been, if we have been united with Christ in the death like His, we shall certainly be united with Him in a resurrection like His. We know that our old self was crucified with Him 
in order that the body of sin might be brought to nothing, so that we would no longer be enslaved to sin. This is the new person redeemed in Christ. Letter to the Ephesians talks about the same thing. Let's go there for a minute to uh, chapter 4 of Ephesians, and then we'll go to one more after that. Chapter 4, verse 24. He says, well, let's start back in verse uh, 22. Put off your old self. Again, the same idea which belongs to your former manner of life and is corrupt through deceitful desires. A lot of the false transhumanism is exactly that, deceitful desires. There's a core of the desire that's good, once again. We need to be more than, than who we are. But we have to discover that that happens in God through Christ. Be renewed in the spirit of your minds. Put on the new self created after the likeness of God in true righteousness, and holiness. And finally, 2 Corinthians uh, chapter 5 says this, starting in verse 16, From now on, therefore, we regard no one according to... Oh, oh let me go further uh, uh, above that. Verse 14, For the love of Christ compels us, because we have concluded this, that one has died for all, therefore all have died. And he died for all, that those who live might no longer live for themselves, but for him who for their sake died and was raised. From now on, therefore, we regard no one according to the flesh. Even though we once regarded Christ according to the flesh, we regard him thus no longer. For if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. All of this is from God who has reconciled us to himself in Christ. There it is, friends. Don't go along with any of the false gospels of transhumanism. Don't think it comes about through our own scientific knowledge. There's nothing wrong with gaining scientific knowledge. We have to respect the dignity of the human person. You can't start combining genetic material of human beings and animals and now tampering with the, 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 the very... Uh, uh, nature and identity that God has given us, be transformed in Christ, in whom the fullness of all the deity dwells. Not only is our fulfillment not found in these Tower of Babel-like efforts that humanity sometimes makes, it's neither found in the opposite, which is despair that leads to annihilation. Sometimes that mistake has marked human history. In other words, we try to build a Tower of Babel, we come up against a, a brick wall, our effort collapses, but, and then, you know, there have been philosophies that have led to regimes that have imposed holocausts because those philosophies are built on despair. We reject that too. Neither is it something that we achieve by our own power, nor is it something that we despair of. In Christ, we find the solution uh, to both of those extremes. Neither are we God, nor are we nothing. We are everything in Christ, who alone is God, but who shares his new life with us. Let's pray. Thank you, Father, for uh, our identity in Christ Jesus. Thank you for the, the richness of this, this hope for humanity. Bless us as we live your word each day. 
We lift up to you the intentions, Lord God, of everyone. And so, ma so many times these intentions and these needs that we voice to you in the comments and in the silence of our hearts are precisely expressions of our limitations, limitations of health, limitations of understanding. We need discernment, wisdom, limitations of faith. We pray for those who have wandered away from the faith. Limitations in our, in our public policy. We see so many things going wrong around us. We pray for the end of abortion because we see, Lord God, in these passages how you have united yourself with human life and thus made it sacred beyond all our wildest dreams. Bless us as we move forward in this life, in this journey. Enable us to become all that you've called us to be sons and daughters who will sit with Christ on his throne. We pray now in the words he gave us, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Let's pray to our Heavenly Mother. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and will be forever. Amen. Friends, thank you for joining me. Spread the word about these times of prayer and scripture reflection. I'm sure there are others in your life, others in your parish or prayer groups that would benefit from and enjoy these reflections, especially those in your pro-life groups. Bring them in and uh, let's all have these uh, times together uh, each day. God bless you. Tune into our other broadcasts and of course our main website endabortion.us. Pro-life leader Frank Pavone here. We'll talk to you soon. Where does this love begin? In our own family, in our own home. How does it begin? By praying together. Family that prays together stays together. And if you stay together, you will love one another as God loves each one of you. Today, the world, in the world, there's so much suffering because of that one of prayer, of unity in the family. So today, when we are together, let us make one strong resolution that we will bring prayer in our family, that we will teach our children to pray and pray with them. And you will see the joy and the love and the peace that will come into your hearts. Because the fruit of prayer is the deepening of faith. And the fruit of faith is love. And the fruit of love is service. And the fruit of service is peace. Works of love are works of peace. That is why 
let us bring the tender love of God in our families. Submit your prayer intentions. Obtain mass cards and a relic card at prayerintentions.org. This has been the End Abortion Podcast. To learn more, to help end abortion, and to connect with us on social media, visit endabortion.net.